from 90.3 RLC WVPH FM Piscataway. It's the core news for the week of Monday, March 21st. This week on the core news, we've got the Wiki Leak of the Week. We'll bring you some local news, what's been happening in the central New Jersey area in which we find ourselves. We've got a little tiny bit of environmental news. We'll talk to Mary DeDuke. Editor-in-Chief of the Daily Targum here at Rutgers about what's been happening around the university and what we can look forward to for the rest of the semester. And of course, we'll hear what's happening this week at the Rutgers Zone. Hint, if you're going to be looking for a job, you might want to stop by. But first, here's Amy Bronstein with the war update on Iraq and Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, on Monday, March 14th, a Taliban suicide bomber killed 37 at an army recruitment center in the Kunduz province. On Wednesday, March 16th, Raymond Davis, a CIA operative arrested in Pakistan for shooting dead two men in the streets of Lahore, was freed after the U.S. paid $2.3 million to the relatives of the deceased. Davis claimed that he feared for his life, but he did not have a permit or paperwork allowing him to carry a gun in that country. The situation highlighted tensions caused by civilian fatalities between the U.S. military, which is not at war with Pakistan, and the civilian government. On Thursday, March 17th, a U.S. drone struck a gathering in the tumultuous Pakistani province of North Waziristan, killing 38. U.S. military officials say those killed were all Taliban. However, on Friday, Pakistani General Ashfaq Kayani said that Americans were mistaken and that the drone had instead bombed a peaceful gathering of tribal elders. However, Pakistani intelligence officials maintain that the drone target was a meeting of Taliban leaders discussing a raid across the border into Afghanistan. Officials speaking under anonymity said that the meeting was connected to Hafiz Kul Bahadur, a powerful Taliban leader, and that Sharabat Khan, a high-value militant, had been killed in the strike. On Saturday, March 19th, 100 demonstrators marched through downtown New Brunswick to mark the 8th anniversary of the U.S. invasion of Iraq. Organized by the Coalition Against Endless War and other state-level progressive organizations, the protest was a vigil and a march against war and austerity. Representatives from the Rutgers Student Union, New Labor and the Teamsters Union, and more spoke in front of institutions which organizers felt to be iconic of the problems which faced the United States. It began with a vigil held in Highland Park near the Route 27 and Albany Street Bridge. The Coalition Against Endless War holds ongoing vigils near the bridge in Highland Park every Saturday. Organizers post the names of men and women killed in the Iraq War, keeping weekly watch on the war's price in American lives. The first stop on the march was the Bank of America Plaza on the corner of George Street in Albany, where organizers pointed out that the war spending outweighs deficits in, st- in state budgets across the country, and they railed against the price of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Bobby D., a graduate student at Monmouth University, said every rocket fired is a shot at a cold American, and also spoke of the war's effects on access to higher education. Education funding cuts lead to increases in tuition rates, she said, and warned that the next financial crisis will be one of student loan defaults. Lily Naha of New Jersey United Students, or NJS, also spoke on the increasing price of higher education and how Rutgers students are organizing a walk into action on April 13th, which has also been sponsored by the Rutgers Faculty Union. Efforts on the state and national level have mobilized campuses across New Jersey and California to have simultaneous demonstrations on the 13th against cuts to education. At the New Brunswick train station, representatives of the Teamsters Union addressed Governor Chris Christie's increases in bus and train fare and its effect in discouraging the use of mass transit. 
Not once did Christie consider raising the gasoline tax. New Jersey's fuel tax rate is among the lowest in the country. The march route stopped in front of Robert Wood Johnson Hospital, where organizers for One Plan, One Nation made the case for single-payer health care. At the park near the intersection of French Street and Jersey Avenue, a common gathering place for people in search of work, the peace march tied into the national immigration debate. New Labor, a Latino labor organization, explained the situation of undocumented workers. She said that the immigrants were being used as scapegoats, and they were only welcome when they chose to join the army and risk their lives overseas. In May of 2010, 150 Latinos were killed in service in the United States in Iraq. 39 of them were undocumented. There was a wide age spread among the demonstration participants, parents with children, college and high school students, as well as young adults and senior citizens. A wide variety of policy positions, such as solar energy, Middle East peace and justice, anti-corporate, immigrants' rights, health care, and the environment were also represented. Sponsoring organizations included the Central Jersey Coalition Against Endless War, U.S. Labor Against the War, the New Jersey Green Party, Peace Center of New Jersey, New Jersey Youth United Against Imperialism, the People's Organization for Progress, the Solidarity Singers, the Middlesex Coalition for Immigrants' Rights, the New Jersey Tenants Association, New Jersey United Students, BACA, New Labor, and RUSA. I'm Amy Brownstein with a Core News War Update. I'm Mike Duhayne, Rudy Giuliani's campaign manager, former political director of the Republican National Committee, and you're listening to the news on 90.3 The Core. It's time for the WikiLeak of the Week. Often called a data dump, the WikiLeaks diplomatic cables have been delivered to different newspapers around the world. It is these journalistic outlets which make the cables public. WikiLeaks only makes diplomatic cables publicly available after they have been published by a news outlet. By the secret leaking website's own count, only 6,063 out of the 251,287 cables have been made public. On Saturday, March 19th, Carlos Pascual, the U.S. ambassador to Mexico, resigned in the fallout from the publishing of a cable which criticized the Mexican government's handling of drug cartels and the trafficking of narcotics between the U.S. and Mexico. Pascual characterized the Mexican drug enforcement and military officials as corrupt, inefficient factions reliant on the United States for leads and operations, allegations which outraged Mexican President Felipe Calderon. I'm Amy Bronstein with your WikiLeak of the Week. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Now it's time to find out what's going on in our little corner of central New Jersey. Here's Sarah Morrison with the local news. Police are asking for help in the search of a South Brunswick teen who has been missing since Friday. 18-year-old Shahan Akhtar posted on the social networking site Facebook.com on Thursday that he intends on harming himself and no friends or family have heard from him since Thursday evening. Investigators know that Akhtar left work at 3 p.m., was seen at the Rutgers Student Center on campus, and was last spotted taking a cab to northern New Jersey at 5.15. Friends and family believe that he is depressed. Akhtar is described as 5'10", 145 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing dark slacks, a dark jacket, and black shoes. Anyone with information on his whereabouts is urged to contact South Brunswick Police. 
Former Middlesex County Assemblyman Peter J. Barnes Jr. announced on Friday that he is running for Middlesex Democratic Party chair. He announces his decision in light of Middlesex County Chair Joseph Spicuzzo's March 7th resignation after corruption charges were filed against him. According to the Home News Tribune, the 82-year-old Barnes Jr. was urged to run by fellow county Democrats Patrick Dignan and Joseph Egan. So far, he goes up against Carteret Mayor Daniel Ryman in the party elections in June. The sentencing date of former Perth Amboy Mayor aide Melvin Ramos is postponed until April 12th. The sentencing was postponed from March 17th for reasons that were not made publicly available. He will now be sentenced for mail fraud a few days after his former boss will be sentenced for fraud. Ramos may serve up to 20 years in prison. The city of New Brunswick is undergoing efforts to raise money for its Japanese sister city, Suruoka, in the wake of the devastating earthquake and tsunami there. Money raised through unspecified means will be sent to the mayor of the city, which felt rumbling from the earthquake but did not suffer any major devastation. New Brunswick has had a relationship with the city since 1869 and was officially designated a sister city when President Dwight D. Eisenhower created the program during his presidency. New Brunswick residents are currently working with Director of International Programs for New Brunswick, Jane Tublin, to establish a way to raise money. A three-alarm fire in New Brunswick on Saturday injured none but displaced 14 people and left severe damage behind. The fire consumed parts of two houses on Commercial Avenue and a handful of firefighters were treated for smoke inhalation and other minor injuries. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. And in Woodbridge, four students may have thought that their senior prank was no harm, no foul, but releasing live chickens in school landed them suspensions. The students face criminal charges and lose their senior privileges, which include walking at graduation and going to senior prom. Senior pranks are a common tradition for graduating high schoolers and often use odd and outlandish antics. And some believe that the Woodbridge authorities are going too far by charging the teens with trespassing, which can land them six months in jail. While police have not commented on the incident, the students are not playing chicken with the media and have spoken outright about their ordeal. I'm Sarah Morrison, 90.3 The Core. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Nana couldn't make it this week, but she didn't forget about you. She sent along a little nugget of environmental news with our friend Dalton Mack. Here's a story that was reported on News 12. There's a Rottweiler in Michigan that picks up plastic bottles along his walk, and his person turns in the bottles and gets money she donates to the Humane Society. Now, New Jersey does not have a law requiring returnable deposit on disposable bottles and cans, but New Jersey used to have one back in the day. Here are the states who do. California, Connecticut, Guam, Hawaii, Iowa, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, New York, Oregon, and Vermont. New Jersey, get moving. It's greener. Kids and grown-ups, get outside, pick it all up and recycle, and earn money like I used to back in the day. It's a great idea, and it's spring, you know. The Litter Bagger Club can get out walking with a puppy or without a puppy with their bag and a work glove and start cleaning up the world one walk at a time. And a pox on you, litter buggers. You know who you are, and you need to change your ways. In for Nana, I'm Dalton Mack with this week's environmental news. Coming up on the core news, we speak with Mary DeDuke who is the editor-in-chief of the Daily Targum, about what's been going on around Rutgers and what we can look forward to coming up this semester. That's when the Core News returns, right after this.
This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Now we're going to find out some things that have been going on around campus by talking to the Daily Targum's Mary Duke. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. So one thing that happened very recently is that a Rutgers student was murdered? Uh, yes, Pamela Schmidt. Uh, she was 22 years old. She was going to be graduating this May with a degree in, I believe it was like in human resources, labor management. And basically, she was murdered by her boyfriend, uh, William Paricio from Cranford, New Jersey, in his Cranford basement. She was found dead at the scene. And please believe there was some abuse of bath salts as drugs. <laughs> okay, so tell me more about this thing with bath salts because my understanding of bath salts are just like Epsom salts that people put in their bath or maybe combine with olive oil to make a, you know, at-home facial scrub or something. So, Well, apparently these bath salts are actually can be used as something like a, like a powerful stimulant like meth and they can be sold legally in convenience stores if they're marketed the right way but sometimes people abuse them as drugs. So they're not regular bath salts. There's something just sold as, you know, air quote, bath salts. From my understanding, yes, I've personally never seen them in the store. Yeah, me neither. But I guess. Although I haven't been looking. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and something that was reported in today's Targum had to do with the meal swipes that some Rutgers organizations can use. Students can donate meal swipes at the dining hall for various organizations. Right. Who determines which organizations get to do that? Uh, RUSA, the Rutgers University Student Assembly, votes on three organizations, well, two a semester. And at their meeting on the Thursday before spring break, they voted one for the rest of this semester and two for the, the upcoming fall semester. The one for this semester is going to be PACT, the Autism Awareness Group. Okay. And do you know what the two for the fall semester will be? The two for the fall semester will be Seeing Eye Puppy Raising Club and the Foundation for International Medical Relief of Children. And what kind of, you know, news events are coming up this semester at Rutgers? Well, this Wednesday uh, marks the six months since Tyler Clemente passed. He was a university student who committed suicide by jumping off the George Washington Bridge last September. And we're planning on running some stories around that and you know how not only the university has changed you know incorporating gender neutral housing special interest housing for lgbt students but also how the state and the nation has changed with the bullying laws and just the general awareness of you know what happened to tyler clemente and from watching the news as you do do you think it really has made a significant change i think it has especially since Especially in that time period in like September, October, there were a significant number of LGBT college students who did commit suicide and many of them were because they didn't feel accepted. So I think it is important that we do raise awareness for what happened. And what else is coming up this semester at Rutgers? Well, this year in May will be on May 15th will be the first ever university-wide commencement ceremony for the new undergraduate schools, especially, you know, the whole university coming together. And it's going to be a really big deal. It's going to be held in the stadium for the first time, not on Voorhees Mall, so it's going to be very interesting. And what has what details has Rutgers let drop about it so far? Well, basically, there's going to be a lot of multimedia use, video cameras, 
videos just throughout the whole stadium. They're going to somehow try to have the university-wide convocation first in an hour, and then they have to kind of set everything up for the School of Arts and Sciences one right after. So it's going to be it's going to be a busy day for Rutgers. And can you explain what the university-wide convocation is for people who haven't heard of it before? Okay, basically, for graduation, there's the university-wide convocation, which is where everyone is conferred their degree. Everyone sits, and the only people in the past who used to walk, I believe, were PhD students, people who were receiving their doctorate degrees. Um, But basically, you know, President McCormick says something along the lines of, now you are graduate and everyone has their degrees. They're officially graduated from the school. And then at the respective ceremonies, you know, for School of Arts and Sciences, SEBS, the pharmacy school in the smaller ceremonies is where you get the diploma and the recognition and like get your name called and walk up on stage Mm -hmm. so is there going to be a venue this year for students to you know get their name called and walk up on stage and shake somebody's hand and get a diploma that's a good question probably for the smaller for the smaller schools that will probably still remain as it has in the past from what i've heard but i do know that the university administration is still unsure of whether the approximately 5,000 School of Arts and Sciences students will have that chance because this is the first time that the university is doing something for School of Arts and Sciences. You know, Rutgers College, Douglas Colleges, those were smaller schools. It was easier to do that. Hmm. So they haven't decided yet, you know, in the interest of time, everything like that, whether they're going to be able to do that. I've been to graduation ceremonies for... For a couple of the schools at Rutgers, for Rutgers College and Livingston College and University College, and University mm-hmm. College was, theirs was the smallest, mm-hmm. and it was held in the College Avenue gym, and it was <sighs> relatively informal, and Livingston College's was held at the Rack, and it was, you know, it, it was a, you know, it, it had the pomp and the circumstance. Right. There were, like, lots of people and music and speeches, and it, it, it was very, like, everything you would expect from a college graduation, and as was Rutgers College's. Actually, I think that was the thing about Rutgers College that impressed me the most, was mm-hmm. how organized and really, like, efficient and well done that graduation was, that every student actually got their actual diploma, right? even if there were a couple of thousand students graduating that day. I kind of wonder whether students will feel, I don't know, like they're missing out on something, not getting to, you know, have that moment of walking across the stage and having their family clap and take pictures of them and such? Well, it certainly will be different. Just just the fact that it won't be in Voorhees Mall alone, you know, those uh, historic buildings, and that's where Rutgers College started. The fact that it is in the stadium will be a different change, but it also is sort of, you know, as President McCormick, this is sort of his mantra, you know, new beginnings. He's always saying that in his speeches, that that sort of is what this is marking, you know, bringing Rutgers up to the level of other state universities, you know, Ohio State, you know, the bigger schools. So I think we just have to see how it plays out. I know that they are dropping some of the individual traditions, and that's why some students are doing their own thing, like the sub students are ringing the cowbell. So yeah, I wonder if someone will uh, will organize a like a graduate's walk through the gate on Old Queens. Yeah, that was something that the uh, public relations specialists at Media Relations were talking about, you know, setting up a mock gate but at the stadium. But I don't know. It's not the same, but we'll <laughs> see. Yeah. 
maybe, you know, we'll just put it out there at midnight before graduation. <laughs> all the graduates just show up by the gate and they can just walk through on their own and then go home. That, that could work. Yeah, a few candles. It'll be nice. Yeah. Okay, so I guess we'll have to pay attention and see what happens with commencement this year. It does sound pretty exciting. Definitely. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core. We've been speaking with Mary DeDuke of the Daily Targum about what's been happening at Rutgers and what we can look forward to in the spring semester. Stay tuned. The Core News will be back right after this. like squids do you like rock what about squid rock tune in thursday 11 a.m to 1 p.m for squid rock with me dj calamari i'll bring you your rock tunes any way you want it fried or otherwise that's squid rock with me dj calamari every thursday 11 a.m to 1 p.m on 90.3 the core This is John Weingart. I'm Associate Director of the Eagleton Institute of Politics at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, and you're listening to 90.3 The Core. Hit that snooze button. But listen. Listen to the Flipside Coffee Break radio show, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., very early Tuesday mornings. Only on 90.3 The Core. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. So what do you like to drink? As it turns out, Americans have been changing what their favorite soda beverage is, and here to tell us how they've been changing is Rebecca Berkowitz with this week's Soda News. Despite Rutgers being a Pepsi school, Diet Coke has surpassed Pepsi as the number two soda in the United States. The Coca-Cola company now holds the top two spots for best-selling sodas. Ten years ago, only two diet sodas were among the top ten. Now there are four on the list, representing a growing trend in diet sodas. The diet versions of Coke, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, and Dr. Pepper are all among the top ten. Nearly 927 million cases of Diet Coke were sold in 2010 versus nearly 892 million cases of Pepsi that were sold. Regular Coke is the most popular soda, selling 1.6 billion cases last year. The top 10 sodas in the United States, in order of popularity, are Coke, Diet Coke, Pepsi-Cola, Mountain Dew, Dr. Pepper, Sprite, Diet Pepsi, Diet Mountain Dew, Diet Dr. Pepper, and Fanta. With your soda news for 90.3 The Core, I'm Rebecca Berkowitz. Hello, everybody. This is Andrew WK. You're tuned in and listening to RLCWVPH Piscataway. My name is Andrew WK, as I said earlier, and you are listening to the news on 90.3 The Core. Hey, this is Felicia from the Rucker Zone, and this week at the Rucker Zone, we have a lot of events for you guys to attend. On Wednesday, we have Buzz Time Trivia. 
which starts at 9 p.m. Bring a friend, and you guys can compete to win a $15 Are You Express gift card. That's a lot of laundry for you guys. Also, on Thursday, we have a How to Network event, which can be very important for anybody looking into how to network or get into internships. Come out the March 24th, Thursday. We have two sessions, one starting at 8 and one starting at 9 p.m. There'll be complimentary food and beverages for all participants, and there'll be different topics covered, such as proper introductions and memorable first impressions. For our How to Network event, you want to call Career Services to register at 732-445-6127. Space is limited and pre-registration is suggested and dress is casual. Again, that number is 732-445-6127. And then on Friday, we have our weekly Rupa event, which will be karaoke. Come on out. We hope to see you soon. And if you want to find out more, visit us at zone.rutgers.edu. That's all for this week's edition of The Core News. We will be back next Monday at 7 p.m. right here on 90.3 The Core. But you can expect to hear more war update, more WikiLeak of the week, local news, environmental news, the lowdown on what's happening at Rutgers from the Targum, and all kinds of other fun stuff. If you'd like to hear something else in The Core News, or if you'd like to, say, make a comment or ask a question, well, then you can email us at news at thecore.fm. The Core News has been brought to you by Amy Bronstein, Sarah Morrison, Nana, Dalton Mack, Rebecca Berkowitz, the ladies of the Rutgers Zone, Stephen Yannick, and Mindy Hoffman. You've been listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core. Stay tuned at 8 for a amazing four-hour block of Rebecca as she fills in for Sounds Inflicted. This is 90.3 The Core. <laughs>